Chapter 18 of Letters of a Woman Homesteader. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Letters of a Woman Homesteader by Eleanor Pruitt Stewart. Chapter 18 The Homesteader's Marriage and a Little Funeral. December 2nd, 1912. Dear Mrs. Coney, Every time I get a new letter from you, I get a new inspiration, and I am always glad to hear from you. I have often wished I might tell you all about my Clyde, but have not because of two things. One is I could not even begin without telling you what a good man he is, and I didn't want you to think I could do nothing but brag. The other reason is the haste I married in. I am ashamed of that. I am afraid you will think me a Becky Sharp of a person. But although I married in haste, I have no cause to repent. That is very fortunate because I have never had one bit of leisure to repent in. So I am lucky all around. The engagement was powerfully short because both agreed that the trend of events and ranch work seemed to require that we be married first and do our sparkin' afterward. You see, we had to chink in the wedding between times, that is, between planting the oats and other work that must be done early or not at all. In Wyoming, ranchers can scarcely take time even to be married in the springtime. That having been settled, the license was sent for by mail, and as soon as it came, Mr. Stewart saddled Chubb and went down to the house of Mr. Pearson, the Justice of the Peace, and a friend of long standing. I had never met any of the family and naturally rather dreaded to have them come, but Mr. Stewart was firm in wanting to be married at home, so he told Mr. Pearson he wanted him and his family to come up the following Wednesday and serve papers on the woman i the house. They were astonished, of course, but being such good friends, they promised him all the assistance they could render. They are quite the dearest, most interesting family, I have since learned to love them as my own. Well, there was no time to make wedding clothes, so I had to do up what I did have. Isn't it queer how sometimes, do what you can, work will keep getting in the way until you can't get anything done? That is how it was with me those few days before the wedding. So much so that when Wednesday dawned, everything was topsy-turvy, and I had a very strong desire to run away. But I always did hate a piker, so I stood pat. Well, I had most of the dinner cooked, but it kept me hustling to get the house into anything like decent order before the old dog barked, and I knew my moments of liberty were limited. It was blowing a perfect hurricane and snowing like midwinter. I had bought a beautiful pair of shoes to wear on that day, but my vanity had squeezed my feet a little, so while I was so busy at work, I had kept on a worn old pair, intending to put on the new ones later. But when the Pearsons drove up, all I thought about was getting them into the house where there was fire, so I forgot all about the old shoes and the apron I wore. I had only been here six weeks then, and was a stranger. That is why I had no one to help me and was so confused and hurried. As soon as the newcomers were warm, Mr. Stewart told me I had better come over by him and stand up. 
It was a large room I had to cross, and how I did it before all those strange eyes I never knew. All I can remember very distinctly is hearing Mr. Stewart saying, I will, and myself chiming in that I would too. Happening to glance down, I saw that I had forgotten to take off my apron or my old shoes, but just then Mr. Pearson pronounced us man and wife, and as I had dinner to serve right away, I had no time to worry over my odd toilette. Anyway, the shoes were comfortable and the apron white, so I suppose it could have been worse. And I don't think it has ever made any difference with the Pearsons, for I number them all among my most esteemed friends. It is customary here for newlyweds to give a dance and supper at the hall, but as I was a stranger I preferred not to, and so it was a long time before I became acquainted with all my neighbors. I had not thought I should ever marry again. Jerine was always such a dear little pal, and I wanted to just knock about footloose and free to see life as a gypsy sees it. I had planned to see the cliff-dwellers home, to live right there until I caught the spirit of the surroundings enough to live over their lives in imagination, anyway. I had planned to see the old missions and to go to Alaska, to hunt in Canada. I even dreamed of Honolulu, Life stretched out before me one long, happy jaunt. I aimed to see all the world I could, but to travel unknown bypaths to do it. But first I wanted to try homesteading. But for my having the grip, I should never have come to Wyoming. Mrs. Soroyce, who was a nurse at the Institution for Nurses in Denver while I was housekeeper there, had worked one summer at Saratoga, Wyoming. It was she who told me of the pine forests. I had never seen a pine until I came to Colorado, so the idea of a home among the pines fascinated me. At that time, I was hoping to pass the civil service examination, with no very definite idea as to what I would do, but just to be improving my time and opportunity. I never went to a public school a day in my life. In my childhood days, there was no such thing in the Indian Territory part of Oklahoma where we lived, so I have had to try hard to keep learning. Before the time came for the examination, I was so discouraged because of the grip that nothing but the mountains, the pines, and the clean, fresh air seemed worthwhile. So it all came about just as I have written you. So, you see, I was very deceitful. Do you remember I wrote you of a little baby boy dying? That was my own little Jamie, our first little son. For a long time, my heart was crushed. He was such a sweet, beautiful boy. I wanted him so much. He died of erysipelas. I held him in my arms till the last agony was over. Then I dressed the beautiful little body for the grave. Clyde is a carpenter, so I wanted him to make the little coffin. He did it every bit, and I lined and padded it, trimmed and covered it. Not that we couldn't afford to buy one, or that our neighbors were not all that was kind and willing. But because it was a sad pleasure to do everything for our little firstborn ourselves.
as there had been no physician to help so there was no minister to comfort and i could not bear to let our baby leave the world without leaving any message to a community that sadly needed it his little message to us had been love so i selected a chapter from john and we had a funeral service at which all our neighbors for thirty miles around were present so you see our union is sealed by love and welded by a great sorrow little jamie was the first little stuart god has given me two more precious little sons the old sorrow is not so keen now i can bear to tell you about it but i never could before when you think of me you must think of me as one who is truly happy it is true i want a great many things i haven't got but i don't want them enough to be discontented and not enjoy the many blessings that are mine. I have my home among the Blue Mountains, my healthy, well-formed children, my clean, honest husband, my kind, gentle milk cows, my garden, which I make myself. I have loads and loads of flowers, which I tend myself. There are lots of chickens, turkeys, and pigs, which are my own special care. I have some slow, old, gentle horses and an old wagon. I can load up the kitties and go where I please any time. I have the best, kindest neighbors, and I have my dear, absent friends. Do you wonder I am so happy? When I think of it all, I wonder how I can crowd all my joy into one short life. I don't want you to think for one moment that you are bothering me when I write you. It is a real pleasure to do so. You're always so good to let me tell you everything. I am only afraid of trying your patience too far. Even in this long letter, I can't tell you all I want to. So I shall write you again soon. Jerine will write too. Just now she has very sore fingers. She has been picking gooseberries, and they have been pretty severe on her brown little paws. With much love to you, I am honest and truly yours, Eleanor Rupert Stewart. End of chapter 18